0: In our last Sunday service, we considered the authority and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, our Lord was fulfilling the scripture of Isaiah that he read, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recover in the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. He was preaching on his authority and on his power. We looked at and we considered that of this man called Jesus who declares openly himself to be God in the flesh and he proves it by the miracles he did. He proved it by casting out devils. Remember we read in uh, verse 38 of how he went to Simon's house and his wife's mother his mother-in-law was sick with a great fever and the Lord healed her and immediately she arose and ministered unto him oh how people love to see the miracles of God what wonders to see a miracle of God Do do you realize the miracle of rain being turned into snow so that it will melt at another time and provide water to where there is no water. It's just amazing what our God can do in His miracles. And the people love to see the goodness of His works. The blessings of a full belly. The blessings of being healed of their sickness. But when it comes to our destiny, oh, no, 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 no. Can't have that. We can't have Him... Rule over our destiny. That's our rule. That's ours to rule over. I'm my own when it comes to my destiny. Isn't that what we used to say? I will do it my way. That's our nature. That's the nature we came into this world with. The hardest thing for you and I, for us, is to lay down our pride. Our pride. To admit that we are ruled by something else, something outside of us. Folks, we are either of the devil or we are of God. There are only two classes of people. Those who belong to the devil, those who belong to their own wicked selves, or those who belong to Christ. That's what we read in John 8, Verses 41 through 45. You want to turn there with me if you would? I would? I'd like you to read this with me. John 8, verse 41. Speaking to some self-righteous religionists, our Lord says these words, Ye do the deeds of your Father. He's talking to the most religious people of that day. Now remember, in that day you had Israel, the religious, and then you had all the pagans who believed in all kinds of different stuff, and they didn't really call themselves religionists at all. They believed in in, in idols, hand-carved items, trees, tree huggers, whatever. But he's speaking... To the religious Jews of that day, those who had all the of God, oracles of God, given to them, they had they had the the tabernacle, they had the the uh, uh, the mercy seat, they had the 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 bud of Aaron or the rod of Aaron that, that continued to bud. They had all this miraculous stuff. They had the manna that God gave them out in the wilderness. They were super religious. They believed strongly what they were, what they believed in. They had the Word of God. And our Lord says to them, Ye do the deeds of your Father. Then they said unto Him, We be not born of fornication, we have one Father, even God. Jesus said unto them, If God were your Father, ye would love Me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of Myself, but He that sent Me. Why do you not understand my speech? God knew why he, they didn't. He wants them to know why they don't understand it. And he says next, Even because you cannot hear my word. They were standing right there. They were listening to him. They heard with the ears that are attached to the side of our head. But they had no ears of the heart. Remember when we had no ears of the heart? Can you recall a day when you had no ears of the heart? I can. Very clearly. I know that was 24 years ago, and some people, that's a whole lifetime. But I remember it very clearly. Because you cannot hear my word. Then he says in verse 44, You, ye are of your father, the devil. Two classes of people. You're either of the devil or you are of God. And the lust of your father ye will do, it says. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, ye believe me not. What I'm talking about here this morning is vessels of mercy and vessels fitted for destruction. The world hates this. The world wants to say, no, that can't be true. God has given us the ability to choose. To a degree, there's truth to that. The problem they don't say with that is that you won't choose God unless He chooses you first. We won't come to God unless He comes to us first. And He comes to every vessel of mercy. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. Not maybe, not might. That's God's word. Shall. Every vessel of mercy throughout all the world, throughout all time, throughout every nation, every tongue, every tribe that belong to God Almighty, every person for whom Christ died shall come to Him. Vessels of mercy. Vessels fitted to destruction. Look over Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9. Look with me at verses 21 through 23. Hath not the potter power over the clay? The same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? I wonder if these are the words why the the seminaries that, pre, that teach the so-called preachers of our nation, the so-called Christian preachers that go to the school, I wonder if that is one of the reasons why they ignore verse chapter 9 of Romans. Now, I don't know that for a fact, so let me be sure I, I make that clear. I have heard that from those who have gone to seminary. So it's second word. But what I understand from what they've told me, the seminaries completely passed by Romans chapter 9. Why? Could it be because it speaks of a sovereign God? One who's sovereign over everything? Is not the potter the one who chooses about the vessel and how it's made? Let's go on further. Had not the potter power over the clay the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? What if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering, suffering the vessels of wrath fitted destruction. All this time our Lord has been enduring with long with much long suffering the vessels of wrath throughout all this time. Why? Look at verse 23 that he might make known the riches of his glory, the riches of his grace, the riches of his mercy on the vessels of mercy. Which he hath had afore prepared unto glory. Oh, how the world loves to see God's miracles, God's goodness! Yet when it comes to their destiny, oh no, 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 no! These are words in our state, natural state of mind. We cannot understand. We cannot perceive therefore the words enrage us yet to one whom he has opened the words of truth to he asked Peter whom do men say that I am and then Peter answered for the apostles saying some say you're Isaiah some say Jeremiah some say another prophet and then the Lord looked Peter right in the eye and he said who do you say that I am Peter knew Peter knew why he tells us the very next thing. Peter says, thou art the son of the living God. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto you. Men who stand in pulpits cannot reveal that unto you. Men who read scriptures alone, all by itself, with nothing else, can't, can't be... Can't understand the word of God unless God comes to him. He says, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Again, we see the grace of our Lord, the mercy of, of his love, in revealing who he, who he is. Our Lord told a grown man by the name of Nicodemus, Thou must be born again. Let's look at that. Will you turn over to John chapter 3? John chapter 3. In John chapter 3, verse 1, we read these words, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. He was of the Pharisees. He was of the religious leaders. He was of the very ones who went about thinking of themselves righteous because of the, the wondrous works that they were doing the the dressy robes that they would put on the, the their their ritual after ritual after ritual of what they thought they were doing as the word with the commandments of the Lord he came to them in the night as it says came to the Lord in the night as it says in verse 2 the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him rabbi he doesn't even call him Lord he calls him rabbi teacher. We know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles. See, there he loves to see the miracles; they've, they've tickled his fancy. He's come to God, saying, "I know that you're something other than normal men, because you create all you you have all these miracles that thou doest." Except God be with you. And then Jesus answered and said, verse three: Verily, verily, I say unto thee except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You've seen all these miracles. You've seen me healing, but that's not going to do you any good unless you're born of God. That's not going to do you any good. Verse 4, Nicodemus saith unto him, now he just heard this, he just heard these words, except a man be born again. This This is a learned man. This isn't a fool. He's a learned man. He understands things. What do you mean, unless I be born again? That's not making any sense to a guy who's got sense about him. Nicodemus saith unto him in verse 4, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? What foolishness is this? What is this you're saying? Jesus answers him in verse 5. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit. How many of you had anything to do with your birth? Unless you're born of the water, the Word of God, and the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, coming into you and giving you life, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Verse 6 That which is born of the flesh is flesh. What we were born with when we were born is of the flesh. That's what we are. We're of the flesh. Our spirit is dead. We we are born spiritually dead and trespasses in sin. That which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Verse 7. Marvel not that I said unto thee ye must be born again. Don't don't fret over what I was saying about that. This isn't something you can do anyway. The wind bloweth. This man knew exactly what Christ was saying here. The wind bloweth. How many of us have any control over the wind? Man, those winds were kicked up around here. I had to keep running out every hour or two and look at this big patch I have up here on the the roof to see if it was blown off again. I got no control over the wind. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. And here's the answer. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Oh, the grace of God in giving us life. Oh, the mercy of our Lord. Are you getting a picture of how much God loves us? Oh. Turn now with me if you would over to John chapter 6. Look with me if you would at John chapter 6. Beginning at verse 24. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, neither his disciples, they also took shipping and came to Capernaum seeking for Jesus. And when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, when camest thou hither? Teacher, they didn't even know him as Lord. Rabbi, when camest thou hither? They saw the miracles of God and they thought, oh, let's find this guy. Let's stick with him. Maybe he'll show us more miracles. Look at verse 26, Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. Their bellies were filled. Labor not therefore, labor not therefore with the meat, for the meat which perishes, but for the meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. Then they said unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? And listen carefully. Read along with me very carefully verse 29. And Jesus answered and said unto them. Now remember, he just we just read where he told Nicodemus, Do you know where the wind's going? You can't tell which way it's come. And that's the way the Spirit works in saving men and giving life to men. We hear that. Now we hear this. This is the work of God. This is the work of Of God. I didn't get smart someday and all of a sudden decide that I'm going to start following God. This is the work of God, that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. That's the same belief, the same faith that God tells us in Ephesians is a gift of God, lest not of works, lest man should boast. Continue on, verse 30. They said therefore unto him, What sign showest thou then that we may see? Okay, so we can't do the work of God. What sign? What sign are you going to give us that we may see and believe thee? What does does thou work? Our fathers did eat manna in the desert, as it is written, he gave them bread and from heaven to eat. And then Jesus saith unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then they, then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. Folks, I've been setting a table for you. Setting a table, you might say, to bring us to our text over in the book of Luke. Look with me, if you would, at the book of Luke chapter 4, chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. i brought you through all these scriptures just now so that I could set the table for you to hear these words that Luke has been inspired to record for us in chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Genesaret. Now John Gill wrote this. He says, "And in regards to, and it came to pass that as the people pressed on him, he he wrote these words, he says, As Christ went through Galilee and preached in the synagogues, great crowds of people attended unto him. They followed him wherever he went. And so large were their numbers, and so very eager were they to see him and hear him, that that they were even troublesome for him. They bore hard upon him, they pressed hard upon him, and were ready to press him down. Though they had no ill design upon him, but only to hear the word of God. The scriptures of the Old Testament explain, and the doctrines of the gospel preached is what they heard. That's what was preached by him, as never before were. No other man had preached the gospel from the Old Testament like this one. And in such a manner as it was not by the scribes of the Pharisees, but, but a manner of his ministry drew a vast concourse of people unto him. End of quote. Look at verse two. And they saw two, sh- and he saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. Now, folks, our Lord does not use words willy-nilly. He doesn't put words in his Scripture just to fill a space. You notice he said two ships. Why? There are two class of people. Over and over and over again in Scripture. Abel and Cain. All the way from them to the end of the the Bible, our Lord talks about a people chosen unto Himself. Two boats. Every word has a purpose. And we see here there were two ships, and the Savior chooses one and ignores the other. The ship that He chose was the ship that belonged to Simon Peter. He chose... This one for whom he will be merciful to. That's what we read in Romans 9, 9, 15, and 16. This is why we do have that's why this is why we who have been enlightened by the Holy Spirit love his words of grace. We've been brought to see our total depravity, our complete inability to even choose him. We come to him, yes, but he must come to us first. He must give life where there was no life. And the result is we praise him for his eternal love for his people. Back in our text, Luke chapter 5, verse 3. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Next we see the wonder of God and his love for one of his chosen people. Luke, uh, Luke chapter 5, verse 4. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep, deep? We're talking about fishing boats. Now just in case anybody's listening that has no idea about fishing have you ever noticed fishing boats aren't out in the middle of the lake? Where are they? They're on the sides. They're in the shallow areas of the lake. There's not many fish to catch out in the deep and here our Lord is telling these experienced fishermen go out into the deep Launch out to where the deep is go out here to where I tell you to go Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Louch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drop. A drop. And Simon, answering, said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. They had been fishing all night, which was the best which which was the best time for fishing. If you go out catfishing in the daytime, you're not going to catch many catfish. If you go out at night, you have a better chance. Of, that's why you can't fish with salmon on the American River at night. You get caught doing that, folks, that's a big fine. I remember them telling a story about a guy who was pulling in salmon all night long. <laughs> they threw him in jail and took everything. He took his car and everything. He lost everything he had with him there that day. Night is the best time to go fishing. They had been out all night, and they had been Fishing all night and labored hard, and they were even tired, you might say, worn out. But what was most discouraging of all of that was this: we haven't caught anything. It's as though there are no fish in the waters tonight. They got skunked. Look at Luke, look at verse five and six. Look at verse six and seven of our text, Luke chapter five. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net broke. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both ships, so that they began to sink. Folks, there's no question of this being a miraculous event. These folks were not amateurs. But at the command of this man, this one who stood before him, the God-man, those ships were filled. Look at verse 8. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Peter said, Not as though uh, the presence... This, again, I want to quote for John, from John Gill. This Peter said, Not as though the presence of Christ was a burden to him, but as one amazed at the greatness of the miracle performed, and struck with the sense of power that stood before him, and with the greatness of his majesty so near to him and with a conscience to himself of his own weakness and his own unworthiness. Only God can break a heart and make a man contrite to his nature. Peter felt this being in the Lord's presence. John Gill goes to bring out the Persic version, adds this, he says, which may serve as a comment, and am not worthy that thou shouldest be with me. Peter had much of the same sense of the things as the centurion had over in Matthew 8.8. Remember these words from the centurion? The centurion answered and he said unto the Lord. Remember the centurion had sent people to the Lord to say, come and heal my servant. He was astonished. The centurion said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. And when it is considered how gracious a person our Lord had had been, it struck an awe in Peter's heart. It struck an awe in the centurion's heart, in his consciousness of sin, in his weakness and his unworthiness at the appearance of an angel, just as an appearance of an angel in Zacharias, as Zacharias had in Luke one twelve, or the shepherds for in Luke two nine. Now look again at our text in chapter 5 verse 9, for he was astonished, speaking of Peter, and all that were with him at the drop of the fish's which they had taken. And so was also James and John and the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not. From henceforth thou shalt catch men. He said, Do not be afraid of me. I shall do thee no harm, nor shall the boat sink, or shall any damage come from any person or to the vessels nor so much amazed and affrightened at the multitude of the fish taken, for I have called you to serve me, is what the Lord is saying. I have called you, he says. Disciples of men, fishers of men. Again, I quote from John Gill one more time. Alive as the word signifies unto life. As the Syriac and the Persian versions render it, thou shalt cast the net of the gospel and be the happy instrument of drawing many persons out of the depths of sin and misery in which they are plunged into in the way of life, and which was greatly verified in the conversation of the 3,000 at, at one cast under the one sermon. Remember Peter preached in Acts chapter 2, verse 41, He said, where we read these words, Then they gladly received his word and were baptized at the same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And with that, we come to our message for today. Look at verse 11. I want to spend the rest of our time on this, And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed Him. That's our subject this morning. They forsook all. When God called you and I out of darkness, we can no longer go in here. One of the most disturbing things for me to do is to sit under the preaching of somebody who belittles my Lord. I just won't do it. I remember when Kathy and I first started coming to church together, You know, the Lord called me in 1999, called her five years later in 2004. Once the Lord called us together, we began to go out to places to, to on vacations. We would go, we would, oh, you know, we, we're not doing anything this Sunday out here. I, I want to hear the word of the Lord. We would go places and just go into a church. I got to a point where I wouldn't even go in a Baptist church anymore. I I look in the yellow pages. Where's the Presbyterian Church? At least I know they're going to preach the sovereignty of God. They may have some quirks about them that I don't that I don't agree with. I don't agree with baptizing babies. Babies can't declare to you what they believe. And baptism is a picture of our belief that we died in our Savior, that we were buried in our Savior, and that we arose with our Savior. To be where we are right now in the scriptures, perfect and righteous in Him. But I would still go to a Presbyterian church before I would go to a Baptist. I remember a time we went into a church and we ended up walking out of it just as quick as that. I couldn't listen to the fact that, oh, won't you let Jesus save you? That's not the Jesus of Scripture. Our God calls with power. What did we just read? And when they had brought their ships to land... They forsook all and followed Him. When I heard the gospel preached, I quit thinking about other religions. I quit thinking about John himself being a religious, being his own religion. I thought about my Savior. Why? Because God had taken over my heart. He had cut out that old stony heart that I was born with and gave me a heart to believe Him. I had to hear about Him. I had to Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Why are you here this day? Don't tell me. Ask yourself this question. Why am I here today? What am I doing here? Are you here to hear the Word of God? Are you here to hear about your Savior? The One who made Himself flesh? Who was manifest as a man so that He could die for you? Are you here to hear more about how when He died, He took your sins upon Him? He was made sin that you might be made righteous in Him? Are you here to hear the wonders of grace and mercy and how He laid down His life? He shed His blood for you? Is that why you're here today? Folks, the Gospel, the good news that God sent His Son, our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus, to save a people is a message that if God gives you ears to hear, you cannot unhear it. Natural man cannot nor will not hear the truths of God. We who have been given life, given spiritual ears to hear, know this to be true of us. We know this was what we were before the Lord saved us. We know how we thought before the Lord came to us and gave us life. We know that His word is true when He said we were dead, when we were living in our own lusts, as others do. We know. We know. That we ran from the true and living God. We know these words. John 3.19. And this is the condemnation. That light is come into the world. And men loved darkness. Rather than light. Because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil. Hateth the light. Neither cometh to the light. Lest his deeds should be reproved. Man's greatest problem. Is understanding the complete rule of God. Understanding. The word sovereign. Many say God rules over all things, yet He gives over authority to His creation in their free will. He gives over His authority to their ability to choose right from wrong. Yet they ignore God's word where we read this in Romans 3.11. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. Folks, we must be brought to that understanding. God's truths must be revealed. We must all be taught of God. Once God has begun a good work, giving life to a spiritually dead soul, calling one who was dead and trespasses in sin, one comes forth by the power of God's Word, and we follow Him in spirit and in truth. We leave all of the false sense of self-righteousness. We leave all of that false sense of self-righteousness Once we once had, had and we look to His righteousness alone. We leave our own works, and we look to His works alone. We leave our feeble attempts attempts to reconcile ourselves in our sins, and to look to Christ for His reconciliation for us to God, and making intercession for us in the presence of God. Turn, if you would, to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. In John chapter 11 we read in verse 38, Jesus therefore again groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. It was a cave, and a stone lay upon it. Jesus saith, Take ye away the stone. This is talking about Lazarus, raising him from the dead. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead for four days. I find that interesting, that the number is four days. I, I realize that this doesn't relate to everybody, but this relates to me. I was 40 years old when the Lord called me out of darkness. I laid, I laid in that grave for 40 years. Surely he stinketh, for he hath been dead for four days. Jesus saith unto her, "Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God?" How many people do you think were there watching that day? Do you think there were crowds pressed against him? All the folks that were following him everywhere looking for another miracle? Our Lord says to Martha, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. What she was about to see was more than just a man being raised from the dead. It was the glory of God and the power of God of Christ, power of our Savior, the one who is able to save you and I to the uttermost. Then they took away the stone, verse 41, from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I know that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. I've heard people say that if the Lord Jesus had not used the name, every body in the grave would have come forth. That's the power of God. He gives life. He's giving life to this dead soul right here, just as he has given life to you and I. Does our Lord give life to every man and woman and child that walks this earth? No. Why is that important to you and I? Because that's the grace of God. That's the magnification of his grace that he would give life to anybody. Especially this sinner who stands before you. And he that was dead came forth, verse 44, bound hand and foot with grave clothes. Did you catch that? That took me a long time to catch that. I didn't know that for many years. I, I, I'd heard the story of Lazarus over and over again. but I, I hadn't caught that for quite some time. Bill Silva, my dear brother, of whom I miss so much, he said, John, did you ever notice that Lazarus was still wrapped in his grave clothes when he came? That means he was like this, folks. He was wrapped. They wrapped you up tight like a mummy. You don't have loose clothes where you can just walk around you like a suit. You're wrapped in burial clothes. He came forth unable to even walk or move. The power of God spoke to a dead man, and he came forth, hand and foot and grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin, and Jesus saith unto him, Loose him, and let him go. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen these things which Jesus did, believed on him. Folks, by his grace, we worship the Lord in spirit and in truth because there is no other way. Christ is the way. I invite you this day to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ according to His holy word. Amen.